Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati. Today on the show, we're going to go over our top team, our team, top players at every position at 25 or under. So they're playing, no, starting the season at 25 years old or younger. Going to go position by position. Also in the catch and early buzz, James Bradbury to the Eagles. Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from Pittsburgh, finalizing his transfer destinations between Texas and USC. Um, and we're going to power rank top drunk foods, best foods to eat when you are hammered, not blacked out, hammered. Um, let's get it. Start with the catch and early buzz. The other thing I didn't mention, I'm turning 28 tomorrow. Birthday yes, is tomorrow. You're taking me out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, a little more. We'll, we'll see where it ends. Right, you know. <laughs> we'll yeah, see we'll where see it ends up. Uh, I'm excited. La Cantina, new Mexican restaurant here. I, I want all the seafood. Their seafood. The last time I was there was freaking hot. I want. I'm going all in on the seafood. You're gonna run up. I'm gonna run up to check on your ass. I will say it's exceptional that restaurant for for a Mexican restaurant in the middle of Cincinnati. It's about it's about as good as you find in the Midwest. Turning 28 is tough, man. I think that's officially old. Okay. Past. You don't have to. Past. You know, 27, you're like, yeah, the boys are buzzing. 28 is like, dude, you need to go home. You ticked over towards 30. Yeah. You know? The, the, I'm way more 30 than I am 25. Are now closer to 30. Now, it's just wait till you hit 30 is when I think you'll really. It's, it, I thought the same thing when I was 28, but then 30 hit, and you're like, holy shit. It's, oh, don't, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to think 20s. about it. You still tell people like you're in your twenties, and it just sounds different. You yeah. sound like you're at a different point in life. Yeah, yeah. Wait till 30. you turn forty. Okay, That's, <laughs> just I mean, it never happened. <laughs> uh, James Bradbury to the Eagles. A couple things off of this: one-year, ten million dollar deal, which I think is good for him. A prove it deal where he's still making that, uh, you know, clearing the eight million plus. That I think he would have gotten a multi-year deal elsewhere. And two, someone was saying, is this the best? cornerback tandem in the nfl no way darius slay and james bradbury's good but are they even cracking top five for you like already above james bradbury and darius slay to me is jalen ramsey and literally like a ham and cheese sandwich like it doesn't like do people like always yeah. make a lot of duos and stuff but like a premier player like ramsey paired with anyone in the nfl yeah. that's even below average to like terrible is going to be a better duo than bradbury and slay together where, where what's your view on this on this duo and this fit yeah, there are a number of duos I would rather have, but I do think that I said in their offseason recap, I was like, the only thing kind of missing still that I was hoping they'd address and haven't is corner. Oh, here we go. Yeah. A real deal corner. Now, Bradbury is, did not have the season he did last year that he did in 2020, but he is not, at his age, shouldn't be on the downside of his career. Like, obviously not getting any better, but like, there's no reason to think he is washed. And I hate using that phrase. I don't know why I just did. But you don't this, like using the phrase this, washed? Why not? It's way overused. Um, so I think this is a much improved now Eagles team. One of the best off seasons. Moves whatever grade I gave them to now an A-plus for what they did this offseason. Fantastic uh, rebuild so far this year. I think um, – Retool. I, I, I continue to come back to this idea that the Eagles at plus 275 win the NFC East is a value. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying, oh, my God, they added Bradbury. Now they're winning the Super Bowl. But, like, the market's not going to move off of this, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's going to still be in the 260 to 275 range for them to win the NFC East. And, like, they just continue to add talent. I really like Nick Sirianni as a coach. I, I don't know. I think the Eagles continue to be a value to me. And that's if – even if Jalen Hurts doesn't take – a step forward even if he's as good as he was last year with the added weapons and aj brown and, and Devonte smith entering year two like this team i think is a lot better than it's being billed as in the nfc east 
I wish he went to the Raiders. I was hoping the Raiders mm. would make a play. I think losing Casey Hayward this offseason is going to be a kick in the teeth. But, uh, oh well, goes to a bigger contender. Jordan Addison, the receiver from Pittsburgh, I mentioned it. But he is finalizing his transfer destinations between Quinn Ewers, Texas, and helping Texas be back. Or USC with Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, etc. Where do you think he should go? Where would you pick if you're getting offered the same amount of money in NIL deals, knowing that that's a factor? Oh, Texas, easily. Really? Over yeah. USC? Yeah, one, USC stinks. Two, the state taxes in California. <laughs> just falls. The state taxes in California are insane compared to Texas, which doesn't have an individual income tax state. So that right there, what your money's going farther. So, yeah, I, I have to lean Texas in that conversation. To me, it's not even close. I go USC. That's okay. me. That's the Cali guy in me. I definitely yeah. would take uh, USC in that situation. Yeah, and I don't care how much. I don't care how much the taxes are taking. Getting that much money as a kid at USC would be quite the freaking treat. I'll tell you that. And it's close though, because Texas with Q Quinn Ewers, I I'm kind of keen on that. But I'm going USC. We'll see where he ends up. Um, that's it for the Catch and Lloyd Buzz. Remember that this podcast is brought to you by Sunday. Does your lawn have weeds, bare patches, or pet spots? Sunday can help you solve all these problems. And more the easy way. They've got everything you need from the fertilizer to seeds to weed control, and it's all delivered right to your door. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or the nasty chemicals. Their custom plans include fertilizer and everything you need to easily care for your lawn. You can feel good with kids and pets being around. Just attach the ready-to-use pouch to use a garden hose and spray. It takes less than 15 minutes. And Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans are just $129, and you get 20% off at checkout when you visit GetSunday.com. That's G-E-T-S-U-N-D-A-Y.com slash tailgate. That's 20% off your custom plan when you go to Sunday GetSunday.com slash tailgate. I don't have a lawn, which means you don't have a lawn, but I think Quinn has a lawn, and I think he's a big Get Sunday guy. He's a big Get Sunday guy. He's not on the mic tonight, but he's a big Get Sunday guy. That's it for the Catch and Lead Buzz. On to the 25 or younger team. So I texted you this morning and I wanted to do this because Trevor Sikma, analyst here at PFF, wrote an article where he was actually doing under 25. So he excluded some of these guys mm -hmm. that will be playing this season at 25 years old. But I think it's a good exercise because I don't okay. – this is not, oh, this is who I'd start a team with among players that are under 25. Because I think then you'll lean towards younger players and like want to get like 21, 22-year-olds. Uh -huh. This is who is the best player in the NFL that is either going to play this season at 25 years old or start this season at 25 years old or younger. So we are starting, we're creating a team. Yes. Between the two of us. Based off of. Yes. Who is the best player. To win this year. Yes. Got okay. Quarterback. Right. The only two names I have here that I think are even in this argument is Justin Herbert, Los Angeles Chargers quarterback, and Joe Burrow of Cincinnati. I, I threw Kyler Murray in my list okay. of possibilities because your boy. You obviously hate every other decision maker there yes. in Arizona, everyone mm -hmm. that's in control. So, ergo, Kyler Murray's probably better than how he has performed or would look better in a different situation based off of your opinion of his said situation. I think that's fine. I think that's yeah. fair. I didn't even so, – but I did not have Kyler Murray in the Her Herbert Burrow tier – that's fine. quarterbacks. Like I, if I was ranking quarterbacks yeah. independent of age, Murray is not in that tier for me. But I do I, think like any given week, though, like Kyler Murray, we're starting, I guess this is for a full season, but like any given week, he's his talent level and what he can do and what he can create. No, that's fair. I think belongs in the conversation. Now, I would lean Joe Burrow in this for quite obvious reasons of literally just last year. <laughs> he, he, Joe Burrow was the highest graded quarterback in the NFL that, last year. Herbert, I think, was three or four. Mm -hmm. 
in the NFL last year. You're leaning Joe Burrow. I lean Justin Herbert, and I can see Mike Quinn, who is a Bengals fan back there, throwing his fists up, wanting to kill me. But just two things can be true. Joe Burrow is damn good. Damn good. And was a better quarterback than Herbert was last year. You could argue that. I just think Justin Herbert gives me more flexibility with the ta- the tools that he has. The more flexibility yeah. to run what I want and run what anyone else wants. Burrow, I think, is more limited in that way. Now, can he win and be better than Herbert in that limited – with his limited athleticism and limited arm talent? Yeah, but I think Herbert just maximizes everything that you can do offensively. I think Herbert would be my okay. pick. Okay. Well, my team's going to have Joe Burrow. Okay. Your team has Justin Herbert. That's fine. Okay, so we'll split. <laughs> well, let's rock, paper, scissors for the team here. Okay. Rock, we're paper, having, scissors. We're having, should we do each our own team and just and fight it out at the end? Or should we rock, paper, or should we build I think it? our, because our, the graphic the social team wants is one team at the end. Oh, God damn it. We could do a who's stopping. This, this offense? <laughs> all right, all right. So on right. shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Crushed. Right. I always pick rock first. And Go ahead. you never, ever look at the scouting report. Justin Herbert is the quarterback of the tailgate Master Gators. Running back, is this one even close? I threw in some names after Jonathan Taylor, who's 23 years old, I think plays the season at 23 years old. But like Saquon Barkley is still technically 25 or younger. Tony Pollard, Javante Williams, Antonio Gibson. But Jonathan Taylor, I think might be, regardless of age, the best running back in the NFL. So I don't know if there's even a conversation here. Yeah, I mean, you could say certain guys offer certain skill sets in certain ways that are better than Jonathan Taylor, but I I don't think – Anyone would be, I think you'd be crazy to lean anywhere else. I think a better conversation is who would you pick if Jonathan Taylor was Didn't, 30? Yeah, exactly. So, because after that, it gets a little hairy. Well, you who might you even pick? go, probably Javante Williams would probably draft. But Over Barkley. That's Saquon, do you watch Saquon No, Barkley no, I'm saying, I'm saying that's crazy how much the narrative and how much like the view on him has changed. You know, like, well, so, I mean, the view, he played like shit. It's yeah. not, he just no, was I, shit. I mean, like, maybe he got the view, hurt. It's just crazy how much his, he's just crashed and burned. Yeah. Like, he's like legitimately like taken a meteoric fall yeah. in not just opinion of his talents but also just like legitimately production and yeah. all that stuff so Jonathan Taylor the obvious choice here so we have Herbert and Taylor at tight end this one was interesting there's not a lot of really good tight ends that are 25 or younger and the this only tight the you only said this one's interesting this one was like legitimately un- the least interesting this one I, I found it interesting because I just did I thought there'd be more competition yeah. but like it's literally just Kyle Pitts. It's I just mean, Kyle Pitts. You, TJ Hawkinson, sure. Dawson Knox is a fine tight end. Doesn't hold candle. I put Kyle Dawson Pitts. Knox in parentheses like as a maybe, but like, I don't like, know. TJ Hawkinson's the only other thing where I'd say is a conversation because of like, oh, I want the blocking ability of that guy. Which obviously he's probably a better, probably he's a better run blocker than Kyle Pitts. But if, if we're being real, like no one really gives a shit about tight end run blocking. You just need to be suitable. In today's NFL, Kyle Pitts is the pick. It's yeah, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is obvious. Herbert, the, least deba- the least debatable position, yeah. in my opinion. So there's a lot of debate around the receivers. And I went 11 personnel here. We're going to go three receivers mm-hmm. on this team. I think you can lock in wholesale, no debate, Justin Jefferson, Minnesota Vikings, and Jamar Chase from the Bengals. Like, lock in. Like, yes. It's not – your third receiver is where there's a conversation. But, like – if you come out of your 25 or younger team and don't have those two receivers, I think that's ridiculous. Yes, those guys are on the team. The third receiver, I have all these names. I have C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, technically. Michael Pittman Jr. I, mm-hmm. I, I threw in as a conversation starter. D.K. Metcalf in that conversation. I don't know who I'd go with 
as this third receiver. I have in the lead C.D. Lamb. I think I'd lean Lamb over Brown and Smith and Waddle, but I, I, I could be convinced to go any other way here. I feel very strongly about this, oh, and wow. I would want Jalen Waddle on this. Team. Okay, really? Yeah. So you, do you think Jalen Waddle is the third best 25 or younger receiver in the NFL right now? Mm, and that's not what I'm saying. It's just if I'm starting a team and I have those two guys, what do I – I'd say what do I not have, but what would complement those guys the best? Maybe a guy that runs like a high 4-2. Yeah. And is dynamic as hell out of the slot. Who would you say the three best receivers, 25 or younger, are, though? So, like, just fucking throw complimentary skill set out the window. Jefferson Chase, and then I'd probably say A.J. Brown. Okay. But the thing is, like, A.J. Brown's just almost like a poor man's Jamar Chase in his skill set that he brings to the table. No, I think that's fair. And so after you got those two, I'd probably lean then Jalen. I think it's important to call out, though, that the three best receivers in the NFL, because I think I agree with you, the three best receivers in the NFL – that are 25 or younger are Jefferson Chase and A.J. Brown. and two. Um, but even then, it's like, I don't know what Jalen Wilde's about to be this year because that was his rookie year, what we just saw. Mm-hmm. And, like, A.J. Brown's rookie year was great, but then second year was insane. So, Jalen Wilde's second year. Waddle's usage is also banana land. He yeah. had 104 receptions and, like, 500 fewer yards than Jamar Chase. Like, yeah. it, did, it made no sense how they used him. I mean, maybe some of that's it too did. low, whatever. But, like, it, did make it sense sucks how they, how they used, used him, him yeah. I guess. I guess you can understand it. No, no conversation around C.D. Lamb here? I think C.D. Lamb... Love I like CD. him. I just, he's not, I'm looking dynamic. I'm leaning more dynamic in this conversation. Jefferson, Chase, and then you're going to go Waddle. Yeah. I think I'd go, I think I'd go Lamb over Waddle, honestly. Um, we don't have to rock, paper, scissors since I won the last one. I think you can make the choice. Okay. Jalen Waddle. There it is. So far, the offense Justin Herbert, Jonathan Taylor, Kyle Pitts, then the three receivers, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddle. Triple J. Which you love to see. Maybe that's why you picked him. Mm. Is it? Am I wrong to? Is DK Metcalf even in the conversation here? So, I think he is. The one that I would necessarily that you put here that I wouldn't necessarily throw in this conversation is probably Chase Claypool. I'm not sure he's that degree. Same with like Michael I think like him here. versus DK. Like you're obviously in DK in that conversation, but I think the clear order that I would lean is like Waddle, Brown, Lamb. Gotcha. Of the next of that third wide receiver. Yeah, that's fair. All right, offensive tackle. I thought this was really easy. I'm going Tristan Wirfs. There's no question about it. And Rashawn Slater. Rashawn Slater, you could sub out for Panay Sewell or maybe Jordan Mailata. But Wirfs is a no-brainer. I think Wirfs could be the best tackle. tackle. I'm not willing to say it right now because there are some guys like David Bakhtiari and Trent Williams that are monsters and have been amazing at that position for a while. But I think it should be a more common take that Tristan Wirfs is the best offensive tackle in the NFL right now. No. What? Trent Williams. I know. I'm saying <laughs> I, 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 the tackle uh, – maybe not – I think the tackle I'd start a team with over okay, any like player. Yeah. I, over any tackle. Like, yeah. I, any tackle in the NFL, I'm starting with Tristan Wirfs. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, I will say, though, I have a different take on left tackle. So he's our right tackle, Tristan Wirfs. You can put that one in pen. I would lean Jordan Mailata. Okay. Over Sewell and Slater. Over Sewell and Slater. Because, I mean, physically, he's the most impressive of the bunch. I mean, 6'8", 350, and, and yeah. he moves. And he's just kind of like his learning curve is only just hitting its stride. And he's already the second highest graded tackle, I believe, in the NFL last year. Making massive leap from what he was in 2020. Like, this guy could be truly special. I mean, he could be like Trent Williams-esque in, in a few years. Whereas I'm not saying Sean Slater's not. I mean, he's a heck of a specimen in his own right. For my team, what I did... Was I put Rashawn Slater at guard? Really? I mean, we're starting a team. I guess that's fair. 
I would put Rashawn Slater at guard and okay. put Jordan Mylotta at left tackle. I'm fine with that. Drafting. I'm fine with that. But can we talk about like actual guards that are the 25 or yeah, younger? Yeah, that's fine. But but because the I mean, guards I maybe even stink, consider but, Sewell at guard at that point. Yeah. You know, you'd... but Jordan Mylotta at left tackle, I just think he's could be like Jonathan Ogden level with with the size that he has, with how he moves. I mean, he's a special special left tackle. So we're going to lock in Tristan Wirfs at right tackle and Jordan Mailata at left tackle. For guard, ex- exclude tackle guard converts. Right, that's fair. Exclude tackle guard converts. Which is I have sad here, because there's not a lot. There's not a lot. I have here Michael Onwenu and Elijah Vera Tucker. Could could factor in Landon Dickerson, Jonah Jackson. There weren't a lot of names that I really liked here outside of Michael Onwenu I think made the most sense and like was the easiest player to slot in. But uh, Chris Lindstrom at like right guard. Okay. Is, I would put him there. Um, you don't have him on your list. I would, did you? You probably just. You probably. He's just. He's only twenty five. He probably is past your whatever threshold. But maybe um, he's twenty five. I would definitely put him at right guard, and then left guard. Yeah, I think Unwainu or Vera Tucker. It's tough. It's it's tough conversation. There hasn't been a lot of guys hit the ground running at the guard position really well. I'd probably lean on Wainu. But because on Wainu and Mylotta sick next to each other, you know. <laughs> Let's go like on Wainu and Lindstrom then. That's seven hundred pounds coming at you. So. Let's go on Wainu and Lindstrom. Right. Um, other guards that are in this technically twenty-five under, you could kind of. Zion Johnson, I even threw in there because I just I don't. We even went back and went to. Did we talk about this on one of the episodes about how? Oh, yeah, we did when the generational prospect last two years of guard classes or interior line classes yeah. were rough. Like yeah. we did not have, a, we were not high in a lot of guys. It was Elijah Vera Tucker and then nothing in the last two years of interior line and especially guard position classes. So unsurprisingly, hasn't been a lot of talent at those two positions entering the NFL. So that's why I'd lean those two guys. And even probably my third would be Zion Johnson, honestly. Or so we're gonna- I'd probably third would be AVT and then fourth would be Zion Johnson in that conversation. We're going to lock in Chris Lindstrom and Michael Onwenu. The center conversation is similar to interior offensive line. I don't know. I put Creed Humphrey here, who is just a second-year player going into this year, but other 25 and unders, Matt Hennessy from the Atlanta Falcons, Evan Brown from the Lions, uh, Tyler Biotish, Dallas Cowboys, like yeah. are considerations you can have, but like no, Hennessy are not, not considerations. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> I know. I'm just saying guys who are who exist in the NFL who are that age, <laughs> yes. but they are not under consideration. That's fair. Here. It is truly either Creed Humphrey or Tyler Linderbaum. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's your. Well, decision. I didn't even think about Linderbaum. Th- those are your two choices, um, and it's it's Creed Humphrey is who okay. you pick. All right, that's that's where we're at right there. So to recap the offense, it is who's stopping Justin Herbert. This offense. Jonathan Taylor, Kyle Pitts, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Tristan Wirfs, Jordan Mailata, Michael Onwenu, Chris Lindstrom, Creed Humphrey. That is your top, you know, your 25 or under offense on the tailgate graphic. You love to see that's a nice graphic, Quinn. Yeah. Quinn's putting up some good heat well, back there. I hate, hate that I had to have Justin Herbert on it, but, you know. That's fine. I think it's really fine. Um, no, we're splitting hairs. I, for this team with this much talent, maybe – Maybe I can agree that you're expanding yes. the realm of possibilities. Dude, think with. about Herbert with Jefferson Chase and Jalen Waddle. That is yeah. hot. I'm getting a little hot down low. All right, uh, edge defenders. <laughs> I think I fucked up here. Okay. I put first Nick Bosa and Max Crosby. 
Okay. But the more I think about the Max, I think Nick Bosa is a lock, like an absolute lock. Yeah, you're not, you're not. But the, the Max Crosby selection, I think you could consider Rashawn Gary, Josh Allen, Brian Burns, Chase Young. I think you have to cons- you could consider Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker if you want to look at rookies. But like, where are you going for this second edge? Is it Max Crosby, or are you looking at some of these other guys? I would still go Max Crosby. Okay. I mean, he was dominant start to finish last year. He had four games with double-digit pressures last year and played just like every single snap of every single game for the Raiders. So that's where I'd lean. Probably next up on that list, I would I would have loved, like this time a year ago, I probably would have said Chase Young. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have thought, but then obviously the ACL, not having the biggest breakout second year, I don't. Even, I think I'd probably lean Josh Allen the next. Josh Allen, the Rashawn Gary, then Chase Young. So. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I would go... Bosa Crosby and my third pick would be Gary. But I I like Bosa and Crosby as the two edges there. Let's lock those in. Bosa and Cross. Defensive tackle. Jeffrey Simmons was the one I immediately locked in. Mm -hmm. That's a no-brainer. Defensive tackle from Tennessee. And I I was thinking complementary skill sets here. So Simmons in my first pick was Christian Barmore. But I think I'd rather go Dexter Lawrence than Christian Barmore, knowing that I brought in Simmons. So Simmons and Lawrence were the two defensive tackles I had highlighted. Yeah, see, I know Simmons is a lock. Mm -hmm. I I think it'd be crazy to go anywhere else. I know it's like year two. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I do think Christian Barmore is about to have a special breakout season. Um, I'm fine fine with going Simmons and Barmore if you want. Like, I I highly considered it, but, like, I think about having Dexter Lawrence – and Simmons, I think those are more complimentary skill sets. Well, the other guy I wanted to throw in here is Quinton Williams. Really? Because it's still there. Like, there's, the talent did not go anywhere, right? Like, it still has to show up at some point. No, I'm not. No, I'm not choosing fucking Quinton Williams over Barmore. Dexter Lawrence is no, like, none of these guys are that good, though. No, I know that. You know? I know that. But I think, I think Lawrence is... I, I like I like Lawrence over Williams right now. Easily, I, I would take Quinn. If I'm picking between the two, I'd take Quinn Williams. Really, sure dude? Williams. Jets yes. fans are kicking their pants over that. People think uh, Jets fans think Quinn Williams stinks. He's, I I still say the talent's still there somewhere. It's I would show. take Barmore, Lawrence, both those guys over Williams. Ed Oliver, I also had on here, which I was stunned to see that he's still 25 or younger. He's been in the league for a while. I don't. I think maybe you start to consider Williams over Oliver. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I am not letting us put Quinton Williams uh, here. It has to be Lawrence or Barmore. I, I still say Quinton Williams. Quinton Williams had a higher-graded season than any of the other guys on this list that we're talking about. Last year? No, 2020. Oh, it was okay. a higher-grade season than anyone else who we were talking about on this list. And so, yeah, he had a down year last year after he, you know, brought a gun to an airport. But That's a factor. I still, I still, I still believe in Quinton Williams. I'm rock, paper, scissors. I want to put, put Quinton Williams on this team. No, we're gonna put Quinn and Williams here. We're gonna this yeah. graphic is gonna get toasted. We have to go with someone better Why? than Quinn. I want Quinn and Williams here. I, it's not again. We're not debating between like Quinn and Williams and Fletcher Cox. They're like none of these guys have really dominated defense tackle position. We didn't even bring up Jerry influx. Tillery. <laughs> this is true. We have not brought the him. Talent's up. still there, Mike. The talent didn't just go anywhere. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I need to rock paper scissors here. Okay. I can't. I can't. I'm not gonna lay on my back and take Quinn Williams on this team. All right. Rock, rock paper, paper scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. Got him again. Rock every time. We're going D Law. Dexter Lawrence here as another pick. The other defensive tackle. All right. Um, linebacker. Micah Parsons. Obvious. That's one locked in. The others I had for the second linebacker. 
I mean, Fred Warner's. That's this one's. There's no other. No debate. consideration for Devin White, Roquan Smith, guys that other teams like. I, I, I Devin yeah. Smith, Devin White has not graded really well for us. Roquan Smith has graded okay. I put Parsons and Warner, but those yeah, are the other names I had here. It's Parsons and Warner. Okay, that one's very, very clear tier in my opinion. Could put Quinn in here. Talent's still there. All right, Michael Parsons, Fred Warner at linebacker one and linebacker two. I thought you. Were, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and you're like, quarterback was easy. I don't know, man. Quarterback was tough. I like didn't know who to go with here. There's a lot of talented corners that are 25 or younger, yeah. um, including guys that were drafted this year and Ahmad Gardner and Derek Stingley Jr. Right, like you could think about those guys in this spot. One player of the three cornerbacks we're going to bring in, two outside in a slot, that I'm not letting us leave this conversation without is Patrick Sertan. I think Patrick okay. Sertan is going to be an absolute monster in this league. He's wildly, wildly talented. I think of the, all of them, I think I'm taking at least one. Sertan needs to be one of these guys. That's fine. I, I was I was depending on who you want in the slot. Uh, I, I do think A.J. Terrell and Jair Alexander are no-brainers, though, to be on this team. Um, Terrell obviously just had one of the best like statistical seasons we've seen from cornerback. And I didn't have Jair on my Jair list. Jair Alexander was, was the highest-graded cornerback in the NFL last year. He was healthy, so... I think both those guys have to be on. And then No, now now Jair wasn't in my initial list. I mean, I think Jair Jair and there I think there's a conversation between Sertan and Terrell, and I think Terrell was phenomenal last year too. But But my my thought was so when I was putting together my team, I had I went Javon Holland in the slot. Oh wow. Because obviously he played there at um Oregon and he is versatile and I want him on this team. But I, I could also see Sertan Terrell on the outside and Jerry Alexander in the slot. So I could be convinced either way. Any any thought around maybe going Carlton Davis? Or even Micka Fitzpatrick in the slot. Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Asante Samuel Jr., no. Trayvon Diggs. To me, to me, like I said, Jair and AJ Terrell are locks. And then from there, it's either Sertan or, or Carlton Davis, truthfully. But well, let's. Uh, how about how about Sertan, Terrell, and Jair, and we put Jair in the slot. That's I can work with that. Okay, that's fair. Lock that in. Patrick Sertan. Safety is going to be a debate. So the safety is a huge debate. So yeah. that to recap corner that was Sertan, Terrell, and then Jair in the slot. Box safety. I had Darnell Savage listed here. I think you could go a handful of different ways. So if you wanted to, um, I do not want Darnell Savage in my box safety. Jesse Bates. As a deep safety, he's still 25. We'll play, start the season at 25. Antoine Winfield Jr., Javon Holland, Jeremy Chin, Trayvon Merrick, others you could choose. I thought Minka turns 26 soon. I thought he was 25. Let's I know see. he is. He is 20. Minka's a, I don't think you can leave this safety conversation without Minka. That's why I was thinking to go Minka and Winfield or Win Yikes. Minka and Winfield with Holland in the slot would be a lot of versatility in my safety group, which was my initial, which I would, like I said, I would have gone. Uh, Jair Alexander and AJ Terrell on the outside with with those three safeties and all of them capable of playing kind of wherever you we want. We can go back. I don't know where Quinn's but, at on the graphic. Um, if we are going to go with those three corners, I think then I'd lean. Uh, this one's tough. I'd probably lean Minka and Antoine Winfield Jr. It's just like too deep. Too high it sucks look. that we're leaving Javon Holland off this yeah, team. Yeah, I know. I agree. But I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think you could go. I like Minka. I don't think with his age, I don't think you can leave Minka off of this. And then uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. 
think those are that's a solid. That secondary is hot. Yeah, secondary is hot. That's the defense: Nick Bosa, Max Crosby, Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Fred Warner, Sertan, Terrell, Jair, and then Antoine Winfield Jr. and um, who's the last guy? Minka. Minka. Minka Fitzpatrick at deep safety. I know you hate the Dexter Lawrence pick, but how are you feeling? Yeah, the DTs were always tough. Like I said, not a lot of DT talent hitting the league, not a lot of guard talent hitting the league. I think those are the most obvious spots where you see a lack of difference makers to choose from. There's got to be some correlation there on just big-ass dudes. I mean, those are the big-ass dudes, the the slower big dudes. Mm-hmm. But I, I I will also say, like, they, those were weaker classes coming in. We've said yeah. it, that there were weaker classes coming in the last few years in those regards. And we've also said next year is going to be a sick DT class. And hopefully— <laughs> I love the asterisk decided by rock, paper, scissors. It's <laughs> great, Quinn. That's fantastic content. It's good content. That was fun. Good exercise. Next, we got to do entire team 26 or younger, and then we'll do 27 or younger. Mm. And then it'll just, we'll, we'll just, just we'll go through the entire summer. Yeah. Um, 30 and over. Tauruses. You know, <laughs> Gemini's, I don't know all of them, whatever the other ones are. Mm. <laughs> um, you need to know those if you're single, Austin. That's I agree. Like a... Oh, I'm well aware. Well aware. Uh, I want to do some mailbag today as well if you're keen. Yeah, it's good mailbag. Right. I, I prepped some, some rips. This My... one's from Al Renner, your brother. Yeah. Al, I've met only a handful of times. He is a phenomenal guy to drink with. <laughs> I know that. That, that he can do. Uh, well, he water. asked, what draft reaches – have actually turned out good. All right. So we, I went through. We do talk about the consensus board a lot and how, mm-hmm. like, straying too far off um, doesn't bode well. So I yeah. went through and pulled the real bad reaches from the consensus board since it started, since the advent of it, which really came together. 2019 was the first year it really was, like, a fully-fledged project that I could find. Yeah. Maybe before, prior to that, I couldn't. But so from 2019 on, so 2019 draft. You had Cleveland Furl go fourth overall. He was 20th. So you're just season. highlighting the biggest consensus. These are the biggest reaches. reaches. Yeah. Chris Lindstrom was 34th overall on the consensus board, went 14th. So that one obviously worked out. Yeah. Darnell Savage was 42nd overall, goes 21st. That one's worked out. Jonathan Abram, 46th consensus, 27th in the real draft, did not work out. Caleb McGarry, 57th consensus, 31st overall. He got drafted, did not work out. LJ Collier, 64th on the consensus, 29th. He gets drafted, and obviously that one crashed and burned. 2020 draft, we had uh, Jalen Rager was 41st in the consensus board, goes 21st, not great. Jordan Brooks was 84th, the linebacker for the Seahawks, coming out of Texas Tech, goes 27th, not been ideal. Obviously, we're only two years into these guys' careers. Noig Benagati was 52nd on the consensus, goes 30th. That one's turned out not great for Miami. Couldn't even see the field last year. Damon Arnett. Obviously, 63rd on the consensus when he got drafted 19th. Austin Jackson was 43rd on the consensus when he got drafted 18th. How was he 43rd on the consensus? Oof. I, we had him like 90. Like That's a, tools, 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 tools. Isaiah Wilson, the our our fan of the fan, our favorite. We gotta get him on the pod. Our favorite former NFL player. I'll just say that 57th overall on the consensus board goes 29th. So some some big time crashes and burns. In that it's regard. interesting just to pause there to see Damon Arnett and Isaiah Wilson, who were big consensus reaches, both fall out of the league for off field reasons, right? Like you know, like 
you know, Damon Arnett like left because he was like threatening yeah. people to on IG Live to get shot, yeah. and Isaiah Wilson was dancing on like strip mall cars and stuff. Like that was not baked in, I don't think, to the media consensus board because the media does not have access to a lot of stuff, and also a lot of that people didn't see coming. And, and the hilarious thing about that—not hilarious, tragic—but <laughs> the thing that's almost like even crazier about that is these people, these people, these evaluators get to interview them, yes. get to talk to them, get access and their coaches and their parents, all that. Yeah. And so like these outside boards are based off of tape. How good were they? And not only were they not good on tape, they were also disasters off the field that they failed on both evaluations in these guys. And, and it also goes back to something that I've said a lot. It's like when a guy does have off field issues or does have effort concerns and won't put it all together at the next level, I think that shows on tape, like when a guy's raw after like five years of college or when a guy's not polished after five years, you know, multiple years or whatever, sometimes it's because he's not willing to put in the work, yeah. you know, not everyone is. And so there was also with David Arnett, those reports about him working with Chris Carter and saying like Chris Carter calling him like too immature to play in the yeah. NFL. There was some of that stuff on the outside, yes. but you have to have more access to that if you are talking to those players yeah. and stuff. But 2021. Mac Jones was 27th on the consensus board when he went 15th. That one obviously worked. That one's not a massive, but 27th versus 15th. It's not huge. I included it just to highlight it, but not huge. Peyton Turner was 60th, went 28th. These are all obviously too early to really say, but none of them have, none of these other ones have worked out great. Jamin Davis was 38th, went on the consensus board, went 19th overall. And then Alex Leatherwood was 45th on the consensus when he went 17th. So. I guess your success stories, I'm not even going to include Mac Jones in that one because the first round, still a first round quarterback. Well, yeah. Going in the first round, it's not really a huge reach. Um, Lindstrom, Savage. Chris Lindstrom, Darnell Savage. And it's kind of TBD on Brooks. And I then, don't know if it is TBD on And then TBD obviously on TBD on like everyone else surely could come good, but that's two out of one, two, three, four, six, fifteen guys. That's why I would say two out of 15. And like people are like, oh, two out of 15, whatever. It's like, but it's like, also, it's not that simple too. Like you, like you could pick another another player. Like yeah. you, it's not. It, I don't know. I think I think it's the, there's too much data pointing in the direction of like avoiding these disasters. Yeah. And so to highlight then now the guys who fit that bill in this year's class, we have John Dotson, who was 31st, went 16th, which I think again a, a non-quarterback position is probably more indicative in that big of a gap. Yeah. Quay Walker was 51st. He went 22nd. Cole Strange was obviously the biggest reach, was 76th, went 29th, and then Tyler Smith was 47th, went 24th. So not a lot of huge reaches this year, but those year, but those are the guys that would highlight Al. Lovely. You're welcome, Al. This is from Roster Rico CFB. A lot of people seem to talk about this class not being that great at the top. However, when I look at next year's top players at position groups, these are the only ones that would be on top of the group this year. Quarterback C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young. Running back doesn't matter, but Zach Evans glides. Wide receiver, maybe Kayshawn Boutte. Tight end, Michael Mayer, maybe Eric Gilbert. Edge, Will Anderson, D.I., Jalen Carter, maybe Brian Breesey or Gervon Dexter. I would love to know if you think there's anyone missing, and here you give an overview of some players you haven't covered as much for next year, especially Anthony Richardson, even though Emory Jones burned Mike in his first 2022 mock. Thanks. Um, so already when you're saying over half the positions that there's guys better in next year's class is a rarity, I'll say. Yeah, yeah. You know, and especially when those positions are quarterback, edge, wide receiver, defensive tackle, like highly drafted positions. The only ones that aren't like a highly drafted position that you didn't include is offense tackle, which we said was kind of a, a solid offense tackle still. So I think that's why it was considered a weak class. 
is because there will be other guys then that pop up. There will be, you know, you said those names. Well, there's, you know, guys come out of, not say out of nowhere, but every year guys, Aiden Hutchinson, who saw that? You know, yeah. there's going to be another Aiden Hutchinson. There's going to be another guy who really improves and ups his drafts like a ton. So for that, there to be that many guys that you'd ready to take right now over this year's class um, is, I just think, telling. This is from It's Definitely Not Joe Douglas. What is the time frame for the Jets front office and coaching staff if they finish with a record similar to this past season? Do you think they should move on from the current staff? How well, from a PFF grading standpoint, does Zach Wilson need to play to keep the staff around? Does a seven-win season with a 70 to 75 graded Zach Wilson keep everything on track? Where do you think is the line that needs to be crossed? I think it's not so much tied to the wins as much as it is tied to like Zach Wilson playing well. I think if Zach Wilson plays well, they're going to win more. I mean, that's correlated, yeah. obviously. But it gives, even if they win six games, but Zach Wilson is draw, is playing objectively well, I think it's going to buy the, time, the well, staff more time. I think when you have a defensive-minded head coach, it's more important than the defensive side of the ball. Like If Zach Wilson crashes and burns. That's more on Douglas, you're but saying? They're, yeah, like I, I think – but the defensive stat, like the defense is playing well and they're competitive. I, I don't think you'll see a house cleaning. Like if you can – hold up your side of the ball that's obviously um what you get paid for so i think if your de- if the defense shows market improvement this year and they're competitive can more so than last year then the staff stays the problem being as brady quinn astutely pointed out this is a murderer's row of schedule to start the season have you seen the jet schedule start the year no so I did see the Brady prior Quinn to the bye. Gla- he had the glasses on in that little yeah Brady was trying to flax on. But <laughs> Ravens, so they play the entire AFC North to start the year. They play Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Steelers start off the year. Then they have Dolphins at home, at Green Bay, at Denver, New England at home, Buffalo at home. That's there's not a single team in there that's like below average. Yeah, yeah and yeah. like it, unless Deshaun Watson suspended, then like that's the only one you could really count but you're still going to the Browns like that is tough and, and so if you can rally the troops and like obviously finish the season strong after that start then I do think they'll keep their jobs but if they, they could be looking at one and eight oh two and seven realistically start the year and that's just where they're at as a roster yeah right? and if they and if they don't again if they like if they can go through that stretch without really I don't say giving up but falling and sort of crashing and burning then I think they do keep their jobs. But if it really does go south quickly, I, that could be. I also think there's a good percentage chance that they have a long enough leash regardless, right? Like yeah. I think there's a good enough chance that they could go 2-15 and 15 next year and they still keep them just because it's still such a young be- team. Because every objective outside observer is saying they're doing it. Through, they're, they've done well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, when, yeah. When everyone's agreeing with your decisions, when you're not – like it's difficult you're to – You're not the Jags. Exactly. It's difficult to really – give them too tight of a leash because shit everyone thinks they thinks they've done it right so yeah uh next question kevin king is trash was the name of this person would you guys agree that pure athletic testing does not measure a player's ceiling i think we've had this conversation before instead it measures what separate players who are already productive if you guys agree then wouldn't you take someone like drake jackson over trayvon walker both have size and length coupled with elite athletic testing numbers however jackson is by far the better edge defender right now, and he's only 20 years old, and he has put on crazy weight while still testing elite. Um, I guess I'd probably push back on that. His tape's that appreciably better. Like Drake Jackson, 
definitely a little further along in his development, but he's still like a project in his own right. That's why he falls to the back end in the second. If he was really game in, game out, dominating as a pass rusher, he, he's not lasting as long as he did at his age. So I think that's the bigger thing there. And and does come with like like put on crazy weight. It was not crazy good weight. He, he, was, he put on a lot of bad weight. Still had a good three cone, but like he didn't – a lot of his testing came when he was only like 252. I, I think that we've had – I think when, when Seth was on, we were talking a little it? bit about like athletic testing and you know, oh, does that actually that bill – we might have repeated it. But like <laughs> the, does that actually bill a player's ceiling or whatever? Yeah. I think there's I, – I think it definitely – what doesn't get discussed enough is how much it builds up a player's floor sometimes. Like if you are like that big and that athletic, it can, mm-hmm. it can keep you – in the running longer or give you more excuses, right? All right, this is from TY6987. Love the pod and the discussions you guys have. How's the chain transformation going? Not well. It's actually going really well. Not wearing an though. No, I am. I'm just keeping oh, it. Oh, keep Sometimes it you got to keep the dragon inside. Um, also, what are some storylines you guys... in the office. <laughs> also, what are some storylines you guys are most excited to see play out in regards to 2023 class? Who has a chance to raise slash lower their stock in this upcoming college football season? I think the receiver stuff is going to be interesting. Quinton Johnston, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Addison, where he Jordan Addison, where he ends up, uh, Keishon Boutte, Jackson Smith, Jigba. I think there's a lot of people that are excited about different receivers. Who ends up being like mm-hmm. the true wide receiver one? I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. Obviously, the quarterbacks is a big one with Stroud, Bryce Young. Even if you go into the depths of DJ U and Galele, does he figure it out? Spencer Rattler, does he figure it out? Will Levis, uh, Devin Leary of NC State, Tanner McKee, Stanford. There's a lot of quarterbacks that will be reshuffling their shit in 2023. Those are the two big storylines for me, though. Quarterback and receiver are, are those uh, for the 2023 I think class. I most interesting I want to see, just maybe not necessarily for 2023, but just college football going forward, is how the NIL affects basically decisions to come out. Because we thought forever, you know, go get your money, go get your money, go get your money they can get their money in college now. You know, like Sam Howell could be making more than his rookie contract right now if he opened up his to the transfer portal and got sold off to the highest bidder, you know? Yeah. Like, so are we going to see some of these, and especially with how the quarterbacks fell, you know, only one going in the first 70 picks, and so none of them getting anywhere near a contract that's – that, you know, is lucrative what enough. Jordan to what Jordan Aston's getting. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> – to what some quarterbacks could get around college football, are we going to see quarterbacks just stay forever in college football? It, like Sam Howell could have played two more years. He, he could have gotten two more years of that. A Bo so, Jangles bags. Too. Yes, he could exactly. Have just so deal after deal. So will we see quarterbacks? So say, uh, just who's a guy in this upcoming class? I'm trying to pick a name out of hats. Anthony Richardson or whatever. Good year. You know, not great. You're not going to be, you know, a slam dunk. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are going to get drafted ahead of him. Does he just come back? Does he just open up his recruitment and go say, I'm going to go to Texas now, or I'm going to go to somewhere else now, Oklahoma, yeah. whatever, to say, because then you can get more money than you would ever get where he'd get drafted ultimately. So I, that's an interesting storyline to me that I'm curious to see if, if uh, it will actually ever play out. The um, other – I, I forgot what I was going to say. Broncos one three five seven nine said, "Who are a few guys from ASU or Utah?" Oh, this is what I was going to say. The news: Pac twelve just announced that they're killing divisions, and oh, wow. the team, the two teams with the highest winning percentage, go to the Pac twelve championship. Great, that's good. That's how it should be. <laughs> Do you think that should how all conferences or how all the college conferences should go? Um, well, not when it's like a massive conference and you really only play your side, but mm-hmm. Pac 12s 
Pac-12 is kind of its own thing. <laughs> they're they're falling behind. They need they need like the they need the two best teams to play at the end to get to just fair, garner interest, fair. you know, to get themselves in the yeah. playoff. So this is Broncos one three five seven nine. Who are your guys? So he said ASU and Utah. That reminded me. Who are a few guys from ASU or Utah that we should keep our eyes on in our next in the next year and two that could end up being high draft picks? Where did um Daniels go, end up? The QB. Actually, sure. Did you remember? Did you ever see the video of the guys like calling him like soft? Yes, when he <laughs> that left. was that was pretty funny. Um, oh, I guess he went to LSU. Uh, Jane oh. Daniels went to LSU, but he's not the guy. Uh, the guy who I think is going to get drafted high that sadly is also in the transfer portal right now is Jermaine Lolay, hmm. the DT from ASU, who I love. Who was obviously hurt all last season, um, but should come back and be. He's one of the best guys in the transfer portal right now for a defensive tackle. So still undecided where he ends up, but on the roster as it stands, uh, not great. Utah, Clark Phillips, the corner, undersized dude. So I'm not sure he gets drafted super high, but I know Anthony Tresh loves him and their running back man. Have you watched Tavion Thomas at all? Dude, Tavion Thomas, the former Cincinnati guy. I watched him live at practices. He was he a guy at, for the Bearcats that everyone talked about like he was a god. And now he's at Utah. He, he is built – insane he yeah. is built like a cinder block with legs and yeah. runs like a cinder block with legs he's he's a hashtag fun to watch dude yeah tavion thomas is gonna be fun too how what's watch. his what's he listed at because his his height weight is six two two thirty yeah six two two thirty guy runs like a damn brick um someone in the youtube chat said austin released the dragon and let it breathe fire i love that um Maybe after La Cantina with Mike. From Bob247985, I was wondering what it would take for my Carolina Panthers to make the playoffs eventually or, heaven forbid, win a Super Bowl. I mean, I think it's going to take a lot of prayer. Um, and Quarterback, honestly. I mean, like, if they would have, got, would have gotten Deshaun Watson, is you'd think about this roster just completely differently. The defense is good. The defense is legitimately good. I, I love the way they've rebuilt this defense. It is a top-10 defense in the NFL, in my opinion. Now, Offensive line is better. Obviously, Iki Aquanu, his development, how he fares is going to go a long way in determining how you how good you feel about it this year and the upcoming years. But, like, if they had – if Sam Darnold becomes a top 15 quarterback in the NFL, they make they can make the playoffs this year. Yeah. Okay. You know? I think you could say that about a lot of teams. But, yeah, no. I think well, top they, 15. I mean, like, they don't even need that much. They were just the worst quarterback situation in the NFL last year. Like, people were talking about them as fucking – Contender, Super Bowl contenders. Mm -hmm. When he was, you know, remember his first three games when he goes yeah. for over 300 yards in each, people were like, this is it. This was what they were doing. And, and it's because they were close on the defensive side of the ball. They have a ton of young talent there. They're just, and why they made that trade Peter for Stefan Gilmore. Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin. It's just you're not going to even come sniffing the playoffs when you have a bottom five quarterback situation. It's just not going to happen. So, that's fair. So I think that's it's fair. a quarterback. It's a quarterback. Get a quarterback, Bob247985. All right. That's it for the mailbag now. Uh, we're going to close out with our power rankings. We are supposed to do this Monday, but I missed it. Uh, power ranking foods to eat when you're drunk. Not hungover foods. Not foods to eat when you're blacked out because at that point it doesn't matter. Foods to eat when you are drunk. I'll start. We had a very similar list. Yeah. List. I went a little specific with my first one, but I can also speak to it broadly. At San Diego State, the best drunk food is either or, but I would go 1A and 1B. Trujillo, Sigma Chi, Crunchwrap. It's also Kawhi Leonard's go-to meal, drunk or sober. But that is peak drunk food experience, especially if you eat there while the tunes are playing and you get your own bottle of red hot salsa. If you've been to San Diego State, you know. If you haven't, I'm sorry. 1B at San Diego State was Senior Pancho's Carne Asada Fries, which if you live anywhere pretty much outside of 
the Tex-Mex region of this country or San Diego. You probably don't know what carne asada fries are, but they are phenomenal. But really greasy. How would you not know what carne asada fries are? That's very self-explanatory. No, but I'm just saying you don't know what Steak they are. In ter- you don't know what they stand for, okay? okay? You maybe know what the, the meal might be, but you don't know what they actually, how they impact you. Um, regardless, greasy, good Mexican food is my number one. But specifically, it's Trujillo's 1A and then Senior Pancho's 1B. Okay, very relatable for all of us. You're welcome. San Diego State alums. You're um, my number one is Chinese food. Uh, really any. But okay. preferably, you know, one of like the deep fried. What do you get? At sesame the- chicken, mm-hmm. General Joe's chicken, one of those in that vein. Orange chicken. Orange chicken. Are you a fried rice guy, steamed rice guy? Uh, I mean, fried rice is quite obviously better, but I, at that point, it really doesn't <laughs> bother me. What I used to get and what gave me hand, foot, and mouth, because I got it late at night and then ate it the next morning and a fly had shit on it. That's story, remember that? Yeah. One I told him, um, was General Joe's tofu from this place called Chopsticks in Champaign, Illinois, where I grew up. And General Joe's tofu is fucking incredible. Yeah. For some reason, and that is better. I don't even like tofu, but the General Joe's tofu is better than General Joe's chicken. For like the texture is perfect because when it's like crispy on the outside and then the inside's just like almost like buttery. Mm. It's it's fantastic. So that's that. If you gave your what um, what would you even call it? your localized food that you got? Yeah. But that I think is Chinese food's a great take. So, yeah. the, the the struggle with it is that it's hard to find good Chinese food. The good ones don't stay open until 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to find good Chinese food in do. Cincinnati, too. Yeah. Like, it's, it's difficult to find good Chinese food. But, like, food. the ones that are open until 2 a.m., they know what they're... Are you a Chinese hot butter. mustard guy? Yeah, it's Chinese I'm hot a huge hot. Chinese hot mustard guy. All right, my number two, and I know it's on your list as well, street meat euros specifically. Those are not available at San Diego State or in... I, I, never, I never really saw them until I got to the Midwest, specifically Columbus. Columbus. Columbus has street meat that is sensational also i just respect the hell out of those people who work those carts dude we when we were there for the ohio state oregon game and Mm -hmm. drunk eating the street meat that chick was chopping up chicken like sweating her ass off at like 2 a.m dude grinding i want to support that endeavor i want to support that work ethic columbus was a drunk food panacea Mm -hmm. it was insane like how many options you had um on high street late at night i wish they had street meat in cincy yeah man that was good. That was it really has good. to be like a government regulatory thing, yeah. right? That they're just because that that would be so easy. That Dude, would, they would cash in because instead everyone just gets like Goodfellas pizza or yeah. like on the banks where we live and where there's like a strip of bars. The there's food scene awful. is there's horrendous. Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's your only option. Jimmy John's is objectively trash. Never what you want at no. 2 a.m. No, I don't think sandwiches is on anyone's peak drunk foods yeah. list. Let me get a roast dry beef. fucking sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Number no. one roast beef and cheese. <laughs> no, all right, my number two. It's quesadillas. And this is more, you go home and you throw cheese on a pan and cover it with mm. a tortilla. Not, not you going out and buying. I guess Taco Bell, Bell. at 2 a.m. is also insanely good. But this is the best go home and make it yourself is a quesadilla. If you just put cheese on a pan, throw a, case, throw a tortilla on top, maybe put some hot sauce, whatever, onto it. You can't. It's hard to beat as a homemade drunk food. My number three was Thai food, which is difficult to find. Is Again, Thai food open at that late? Yeah, in San Diego. Okay, is. fair. That, I, a lot I've of my never drunk, seen a Thai food peak, open that late is why. My peak drunk food experiences are often from San Diego because Cincinnati doesn't have really good food. But like Thai food, whether you're going red curry, yellow curry, or pad thai, you can go um, 
dumplings, any of the dumplings they have. And then mango sticky rice is one of the most underrated desserts of any dessert menu there is. It is absolute heat. But if you went and get, it comes in like the styrofoam with the foil over the top, and you get that like 1 or 2 a.m., oh, man, that shit fucking hits. Drunken noodle, too. I didn't even mention drunken noodle. Thai food has range, man. Asian food in general has range. Like Chinese food, Thai food, Japanese food, well, Korean food. It's, it's all It's all heat. Notice how none of this is American food. I'm not, I'm not going burger. I'm not going hot dog, okay? Mitch Kaiser, who is an intern here. No, no. Sorry, promoted full time. Full time slant going on here. Full time customer service rep said he went home. He's like, yeah, I got really drunk and I went home, made some food. I ate seven hot dogs. Yeah, I'd rather die than eat seven hot dogs as if I was drunk. Like he's like, yeah, just a bun, hot dog, and ketchup. Seven of them. That's not even good. Like one hot dog with ketchup is not even good. I don't like ketchup on hot dogs. I will say, but like, ketchup belongs on a burger. Mustard on a hot dog. That's what are you putting on a hot dog if you have every, if like you have all the options in the world? Mustard and onions. Yeah, mustard and onions is is the, the way. Him going just ketchup. And he said light ketchup because I don't really like it. You're eating seven of the, <laughs> seven of seven those? dry dogs. Makes no sense. But my order right. is again, greasy Mexican food, greasy street meat, specifically euros, and then Thai food. And I gave specific brands throughout. Yeah, my last one's street meat. It's the bomb. Uh, so ch- Chinese food, quesadilla, street meat. What a phenomenal. Next time I want to power rank hungover foods, which they're I think different. is a different list. They're different. I think they're very different when we get back. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Big shout out to Mike Quinn, producer Mike Quinn, for putting on the graphics for the top 25 under 25 team. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate.